Welcome to episode 20 of the Intentional TESOL. I'm your host, Katie Levin, and I'm here to reach out to all teachers of ELLS, whether specialists, classroom teachers, special area teachers, or those with a TESOL degree, to empower you to live an easier, more purposeful life so you can grow and develop young minds without getting overwhelmed. Today's episode focuses on what not to do in a co-teaching situation. I want you to learn from me so you don't make the same mistakes. I hope that you can create a classroom with ease and flow and just amazing relationships to see these students thrive and develop into amazing young people. So let's listen. So how do you feel about co-teaching? Do you love it or do you hate it? I ask this because it can be rather controversial and there's usually not a lot of middle ground unless if maybe you've never experienced it. So today's episode is going to talk about what not to do when you're co-teaching because I've probably done it. <laughs> so the number one thing that co-teachers need is they need time to plan together. And I'll be honest, it can be as simple as um, having a conversation about where you're headed while the kids are working at their seats. It doesn't have to be extensive. Um, at the beginning of the year when you're building a relationship, yeah, it's it's important to take the time, um, see if you can somehow find an overlap in your schedule or if there's like a extra special one day, use that time to meet with somebody else. I kind of keep all my co-teachers, co their planning time separate just so I have an idea. But there's no co-teaching without co-planning because let me tell you, just, you know, Talking at will annoys the other person. Um, putting in your two cents annoys the other person. Um, you know, providing feedback when you don't know, how can you provide feedback when you don't know what, what the expectations are? How can you provide support without knowing what the expectations are? You know, in the opposite direction, as a classroom teacher, how can you um, meet the needs of needs of kids if you don't know their proficiency levels, if you don't know um, what they they know. So all important things to think about when you come together to collaboratively teach before you get to anything else. So my second tip to you um, of things not to do when you're co-teaching is to just um, stand next to the kid and talk. Um, it's really funny because my daughter, uh, my pre-K daughter is having this situation in her uh, pre-K classroom. It's the first time ever they've had a bunch of uh, specialists come in to help a pre-K child in her district. And um, it's distracting. It's distracting to the other kids in the room um, if, if the instruction isn't aligned, if, uh, you know, to have two people talking at the same time. And, and that can be really, really hard. So 
you know, getting on the same page as much as you can is important because we all play specific roles. I think that's part of where lesson number three, what can you, you know, what should you not do is forget your role. So um, when you have your co-planning session or when you co-teach in the room, the classroom teacher obviously has extensive knowledge on the grade level curriculum and expectations. And the ENL teacher or the ELD teacher, um, English language development teacher, those teachers are there um, as language development experts. They are used to breaking down tasks into um, manageable chunks for their learners. They are used to um, using other languages uh, to, to build bridges through cognates and other known words, word parts, suffixes, prefixes. Um, they, they know how to you they know how to teach kids how to learn words from context and I'm not saying that a classroom teacher doesn't know any of those things they know so much of those things too but that really is the the lens through which an English language development teacher or ENL teacher in New York State um, is thinking is 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 first of all the vocabulary that the students are going to need and second of all, the, um, the, the, the academic discourse, um, the way to talk about these things. This, this can sometimes be referred to as like the function of language. So are they using language for cause and effect? Are they use it for classification, compare, contrast, contradict? Um, or disagree, describing, elaborating, evaluating. So all of those tier two words, um, you know, that's what New York State is supposed to be coming out with on December 15th is um, these methods for integrating the, the ways that you go about doing this, the ways that you have a conversation, um, what goes into a conversation. Um, it's funny because the other day my uh, fourth graders were writing a narrative story and all of them were told by their teacher to make sure they introduce the characters. So every single child that listened to their teacher that was, you know, one of my students um, also started with, hi, my name is blank, because that's how you introduce somebody in English. That, you know, they didn't think about the, how when you read a book, characters are introduced through dialogue or characters are introduced through a situation um, by seeing how they respond. You know, when you go to, uh, analyze a character, I always tell my kids to think fast, think about their feelings, their actions, their sayings, and their thoughts um, to help us get a bigger, bigger picture. And it's funny because just yesterday a classroom teacher approached me with, you know, the, the question on an assessment was, how would you describe a person in a book uh, based on having the book in front of them and reading it? And every single one of them said here that that person was nice. 
and gave no no evidence to that. And so, you know, that's the idea of academic you know, they're they're at that basic interpersonal level of using the word nice and we need to push them into the CALP, the cognitive cognitive academic language proficiency of being able to um, you know, with a lot of practice, obviously, and repetition, um, be able to talk about these characters with actual descriptive character traits and give evidence for that. Sorry, I digress. You know, sometimes these life experiences can really relate um, to what's going on. So another thing that you want to make sure to not do um, is, you know, or I guess more to be aware of is your your feelings going into a co-teaching situation. Um, you know, I find I am at my best mentally when I take the time to journal and get my feelings and frustrations and excitement and everything out. Or sometimes, you know, talking to another person really helps me. But um, because sometimes in a co-teaching situation, we get into a challenge. And the challenge really is over control. Because um, co-teaching isn't about one person controlling everything. Co-teaching is the idea of synergy, of two people working together for the benefit of everyone. And, you know, there's, there's reasons why people try to control situations. Um, you know, just some people feel based on their situation, you know, that if they don't control things, then everything's going to go wrong, all right? And really, that's that's based in anxiety, not actually in the, the, the reality of the situation you're in. And so it's learning, you know, you can control you, but you can control the environment, but you can't necessarily, um, you know, there's a lot of external factors that go into it. And trying to control everything, really there's a lot of problems with this. And it's, it's funny, um, I'm reading this book, uh, 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do by Amy Morin. And she says, um, th- th- trying to control everything will lead to um, increased anxiety. It wastes time and energy. It damages relationships. It leads to you judging others harshly. And you can also unnecessarily blame yourself. Um, And I know, you know, I've been there. I, you know, you need to be aware of your anxiety and how it's playing a role in the co-teaching situation. Because a lot of times these things aren't personal. And I don't know about you, but that was one of my big lessons um, since covid was that many things that happen are are not are not done personally. It's, you know, we're just trying to keep ourselves safe. We're trying to keep ourselves healthy. We're trying to, you know, do the best that we can for our own family. And I think that's that's the lesson that I've learned is, you know, doing what's best for my individual family, not even necessarily my extended family who I love so dearly and appreciate so much, but just just doing, 
doing what's right for our family um, and focusing what I control can control inside of my family. Um, and just being aware of that. I've always been raised to be a helper. And so my one view of, of co-teaching, which I'm, I'm sure is going to evolve and has evolved in, in my time at, in co-teaching over th this, you know, decade plus of co-teaching experiences is, um, you know, er, I'm there to help the student. I'm there to help the classroom teacher. And the only way I can do that is by building that relationship with both of them so that way I know what they need and how I can fill in gaps. And it's funny because through the years, I've had many co-teachers say to me, you know, at the beginning, I really wasn't sure about working with you. And overall, I really learned to appreciate you and what you bring. And, you know, because my goal is to bring happiness, to um, bring less stress for them, to bring new opportunities, like if they need to go to the bathroom, all right, I can be there for a minute while the students are working. Um, and overall, I want to see it be more success for the classroom teacher and for the students themselves by having this co-teaching relationship together. You know, it's that idea that two idea, two brains are better than one. Two, two people working together can help more people. And, and we do this, we just want to see these kids grow and succeed and become all they can be. So the question becomes, how do you do this when you're working in a co-teaching partnership and, you know, navigating the relationship and all the, all the things that go along with it? And the first thing I do is I, I notice when my fears or my anxieties, my judgments, they're popping up. And I just kind of in my head say, I see you. I see that you're worried about this. I just accept that. That's the situation. It's normal for people to have fears and anxieties, especially in relationships. And I know that those fears are just trying to keep me safe as I'm working in this relationship. But I want to think about how can I look at this situation differently. And obviously, it's not always in that moment. Sometimes it's taking a step away or thinking about it later and reflecting. You know, how can I choose to reinterpret my fears with a more loving perspective? Thank you, Gabby Bernstein, for that. Um, how can we think about this a different way? You know, how can you look at your coworker a different way? I know she is an incredible teacher. I know he wants what's best for his kids. I know he's not trying to be mean by what he's saying. He's not trying to damage our relationship. Um, he's still getting to know me. I'm still getting to know him. She doesn't know that I'm a great teacher yet, too. All right. In, in that co-teaching relationship, it takes time, it takes trust, it takes patience, it takes faith, and it, keeps you, it, it, it takes you consistently showing up in a positive light. It takes you consistently um, uh, choosing to, to see things differently. All right. Um, there's this, this quote from um, Louise Hay that says, your self-image is made up of your judgments. 
So how you view yourself is actually just based on judgments. It's not based on the real you. All right. What is the real you like? All right. It, without all the judgments. All right. Think, think about that. Think about what if this all worked out for the best? How can we trust that it's all working out for the best, you know, and these are opportunities for you to learn and to grow. These are opportunities for your coworkers to learn and to grow. And um, obviously we hope that the, the students also learn and grow, but we can, you know, navigate the difficult times in a relationship um, by just taking that break, checking in with curiosity rather than judgment and all right, how is this an opportunity to learn? What, 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 you know, when, when things don't go perfectly in a co-teaching situation, how can we, um, how can, how can we see things differently? And, in what if this moment, this bad moment turns into the springboard for an incredible relationship? just think something to think about because we want our students to grow and succeed. We're in these situations with these coworkers and we get to decide how we show up. We get to, you know, <laughs> what whether you show up miserably or you show up positively, it's the same amount of time spent together. But let me tell you if you show up positively, it's it's the time will pass much quicker. So I hope this episode helped you think deeply about what not to do when you're co-teaching because trust me, I've been there. I done that. <laughs> um, and I want you to learn from me so you don't make the same same mistakes. <laughs>